0: Good evening, everyone. Everyone excited for a long weekend? It's a really long weekend, right? Uh, I'm excited for it, too. Um, Yeah, let's turn uh, to the text for tonight. Uh, Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Let's just turn there. We're not going to read it just yet. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 1 to 11. Uh, Last Sunday at Hillside and at Itewan, Pastor Myunga, uh, she preached a powerful message, right, uh, called, So You Think I'm a Loser. So you think I'm a loser, right? And she preached from Ephesians 4, and she talked a lot about walking in humility, being mild-spirited, being long-tempered, being meek and self-controlled like Jesus was, right? And though temporarily it may look like you might be the loser, that you're losing out, that you're missing out when you walk in humility, the actual reality is that when we walk in humility, it allows room for God to in- invade, for God to actually come into the situation and reveal himself as vindicator and as our defender, right? And it was a really good word, right? Um, so now for those who don't know, uh, I've been doing a series on the book of Philippians. And so I knew I would be preaching today at Friday Fire. And I knew from which text I would be preaching from, right? And let's look at today's passage. Um, uh, tell me what the title of the passage is. Christ's example of humility. So now when Pastor myung was preaching, I already knew that this was a passage that I will be preaching from today. And I'm just thinking, oh, my goodness, she's preaching my message. Oh, my goodness. Oh, she flipped out. She, she brought out the definition of humility. She redefined it for us. She reframed it for us. Okay, mission accomplished. And I'm just thinking, what do I preach? Just thinking, I need to preach on Christ's example of humility. And honestly, I was a little, I was really blessed by the message, because it was a really good message. I wrote a lot of notes. Uh, but at the same time, I'm just like, God, what do I preach? I feel like she just said it all, you know. And then that night, I actually went to Itaewon, and um she was sitting in the office, so I approached her and I said, you know what, Miola? You know where I'm going to be preaching from? And she's like, where? And I'm like, Philippians chapter 2 on the humility of Christ. And she just looked at me, and you know how she is, right? She goes, huh, that's awesome on <laughs> <laughs> And I'm just thinking, hmm, okay. And then she said, you know what? Maybe God really wants to highlight something to us in this hour. Maybe he really wants to highlight humility to us. And I wasn't consoled by that. I was just like, well, you're done your message, and now, like, it's my turn, right? And, like, I have to build up on your message, which was awesome. So I'm just thinking, Mm, okay, yes, right? And then John comes aside, and, you know, him being John, he puts his arm around me, and he's like, yeah, honey. (laughs) Yeah. And you know that look, right? That deep comfort, you know? And I wasn't really comforted. But at the same time, I couldn't disregard what these two, you know, godly people were trying to communicate to me. And I knew in my heart they weren't just trying to encourage me. Um, but they were saying something that I really needed to take to heart. And so I began to think, God, you know, like, what do you want to highlight about humility? Like, why do you want to highlight humility? And, First of all, I do feel like God is highlighting the word humility for this house in this hour. Whether you go to New Philly or not, that in this hour, God wants to highlight humility to his people, to the church in general. Um, but I began to ask God, like, why do you want to highlight humility? Like, okay, I, I get it. You're highlighting humility, but why? And um, I just realized that it wasn't... God's not highlighting humility because he's seeing some sort of pride among us that he wants to rebuke us for or wants to uproot from us. He doesn't want to warn us against pride because we know that God has great and amazing things in store for us. I felt what he was saying was he was highlighting um, humility for us in this hour because he's committed to the success of his people. Amen. It says in James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And in this year of inspiration for New Philly, not only is God authorizing us to build, but he's also wanting, he's desiring to release the grace, to release the anointing, to release inspiration to build. Amen? And that's why I feel like God is highlighting humility, because he wants to give grace to those who are humble. Amen? Amen. And so let's jump into the text. And and I want us to I know a lot of us, we might have heard a lot of messages on humility and we might think, oh, okay, there it goes again. You know, God's just calling me to get rid of my pride. But I want us to be encouraged, understanding that the heart of God for us tonight is not to rebuke us for our pride, but he wants to encourage us, telling us he's for us. He's for the success of this house. He's for the success of his sons and daughters. And he really wants to pour out grace to us in this hour. Amen? Okay. Um, So let's jump into the text. And I will read the odd-numbered verses, and then you can read the even, okay? Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, now, before uh, we unpack this message, I want us to remember and be reminded of uh, Pastor Erin's sermon from a few weeks ago that she preached at Itaewon, and I want this message sort of to be the foundation from which I want to build on, okay? And she preached a message titled, Whose House Are You Building? And she preached on how there's a divine order to what we build, and she went on to mention Matthew 6.33, which says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And I know, like, you know, when we think about inspiration, we think about building, there could be a tendency or even a temptation to start building your own house, building your own projects, build making a name for yourself, right? Uh, but uh, the Lord is really calling us in this hour to build his house first, to seek his kingdom, to seek his glory first, right, and then all these things will be added unto us, and I know when things get busy especially when you feel like there's a call on your on your life to to start up businesses and everything, maybe Not for everyone, but there could be a temptation to kind of feel, oh, I need to withdraw from this ministry. I need to step down from this position at church so that now I can focus all my attention on building this business because God has called me to it. And I want us to understand that, yes, there are seasons when that happens, when God purposely calls us out of the church ministry. So that we can start something, right? But unless you have that confirmation from the Lord, I just want to encourage everyone that we want to really build the house of the Lord, and we cannot neglect it. Amen? Amen. So, now how many of us know that God isn't only interested in what we build, but how we build it, right. right? Now we know that we are called to build a house of the Lord, and tonight I want to share with you how God is calling us to build his house in this hour, okay? Okay? And it's going to be a very simple message, but I want us to take this to heart. Uh, I will be sharing two ways again. And the first way is found in verses one to two. If we look again to verses one to two, it says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, which obviously all these things we do have as believers, right? Uh, Complete my joy by being of the same mind Having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. And now if we look at verse 2, what's the common denominator here? Same, same, full accord, one, right? The common denominator in verse 2 is unity. To have the same mind, same love, full accord, one mind. The common denominator in verse 2 is unity. And he's saying, um, and I want you to go ahead actually and highlight same mind and same love. Now, before I go on, let me explain a bit of the background and context from which Paul is writing. Uh, we need to understand that the early church was under constant threats uh, by dissension and division, right? And in fact, Paul, uh, there's some of that going on in this church, in the church of Philippi, and he's aware that there's tension that exists between two women in the congregation uh, named Euodia and Syntyche. It's it's mentioned in chapter four, verse two, and he's aware that there's already a little bit of tension there, right? And we're, it's never really described what the nature of that tension is. If it's like this full out dissension, full out division, or just a small quarrel, we don't know, but he's noticing that there is a potential for division there, right? And so he's addressing the church. Um, Regardless, uh, Paul is making this appeal to the church to live in unity um, and to live in a way where the church together, they can reach a common goal. And to uh, Paul and the church of Philippi, their common goal is actually the advancement of the gospel, right? So he's saying, let's let's have a focused mind. Let's understand that we're going for the common good, and it is the advancement of the gospel, right? And so let's not allow disunity or division to get in among us, right? So again, in verse 2, Paul is calling us to be of the same mind, Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And let me explain to you what he means by same mind and same love, okay? First of all, same mind. What it doesn't mean is that we have to agree on everything. You know, especially living here um, in Korea in an English ministry, in an in a English-speaking community, Uh, you come across a lot of different people from all sorts of backgrounds. We have people like Koreans from Africa. I didn't know there were Koreans in Africa. And they sound more African than a lot of other African people, you know? There's a lot of diversity, you know? We're surrounded by a lot of diversity. Um, But Paul is saying here, to be of the same mind actually doesn't mean that you have to agree on everything. You don't have to agree on everything. You don't have to have the same opinion about everything. Because to have the same opinion about everything, to have a uniformity in every thought, means there's actually no room for creativity. There's no room for new opinions and fresh ideas, for innovation, right? And so he's saying to be of the same mind is not meaning we have to agree on everything. What he does mean by this is that we need to have a common resolve to agree To disagree in love. To agree to disagree in love. It means that we ought to have a mutual commitment to continue to work together despite our differences because we identify a common goal. And to us as believers, our common goal is the glory of God. Amen? For instance, marriage. Okay. John and I, we are very similar in a lot of aspects. Okay. But, we don't agree on everything. In fact, we hold very different opinions about almost everything. Okay? All right, all right. Yeah, same for PMPC, right? Brian, yeah? Yeah. We hold very different. We come from very different perspectives, from different backgrounds, different opinions. But the only reason why our marriage continues to be unified is because there is a commitment to work things out. There's a commitment, there's an agreement, a mutual agreement to disagree in love. We're understanding that that difference in opinion, any differences, actually is not going to tear us apart, but it's actually going to allow us to move forward beyond where we can go as individuals right? And that I feel is what God is calling us to in this hour, a unity that goes beyond differences, that doesn't stop because of differences, that doesn't call us to run away from relationships, run away from partnerships just because we disagree, but to work them out and understand that that's a moment, that's an opportunity to actually go beyond your little box and go out in innovation and inspiration, right? And so that's why uh, Paul and God... To us, he's calling us to be of the same mind, to agree to disagree in love. So why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I agree to disagree in love? love. Yeah. Now, The second part of that verse, the same love, Paul calls the church in Philippi, and I feel like God is calling us right now to a same love. And let me define same love to us, okay? The same love that Paul is referring to is the love of God, okay? And what is the love of God like? It's unconditional. It doesn't show partiality. God's love actually reaches out to the poor. Doesn't wait for the poor. He reaches out to the poor. God's love actually goes to the lowly. He goes out to those who are lost. His love just overflows. It has to go out to those who are naturally probably people might not be drawn to. That's what the love of God is like. And so in the same way, there's going to be a lot of differences in a community that's just diverse. Yep. There's a lot of differences um, even in people that seem very similar, ever have an experience where you're like best friends with someone and you're like, oh, my gosh, let's move in together. Let's be roomies. And then you find out you're actually really not compatible. You're actually not best friends. <laughs> um, yeah. Preach. <laughs> There's a lot of diversity among us, Right. But the love that God is calling us to is the same love of God where we can look past the differences, not not just to be like, oh, I'll just put up with the differences, but to actually pour out to go out. And love those people who are different, who are lowly, and whatnot. And so, therefore, differences in opinions, diversity, all this stuff—it's it, never going to be a temptation for us to walk away from a relationship or walk away from a partnership of what uh, of whatever sort. But it's going to actually call us to be knit together, even closely, right? And so, as as you know, let's be affectionate towards each other. Okay, God is really calling us to the same. Loves. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I love you, man. I see a few hugs here and there. And a lot of smiles and some awkwardness from the brothers. Uh, um, let me tell you, unity is essential for a church to grow and to fulfill its mission. And now for New Philly, let me ask you, what is our mission? Exactly. That's, that's sort of a given, right? It's to raise up an army of mighty warriors. What's another mission that we have as a church? It's to release a new sound, right? Singers, musicians, it's to release a new sound. Another mission, it's to possess KU, SNU, Yonsei. It's to possess those campuses, right? It's to possess the city soul. It's to possess Pusan, to possess... Sydney and Melbourne, is to possess the nations, right? That's the call that God has given to this house, right? But for us to fulfill this mission, we really need to grow in unity. Grow in unity. Grow in the same mind and same love. To agree to disagree in love. And in this year of inspiration, I feel like we need to understand that there's going to be a lot more grace that we experience, a lot more inspiration as an overflow of the unity that we walk out in. You know, none of this jealousy and rivalry between small groups. Now my small group's better. No, my community group's better. I see a little, you know. Um, You know, or like even between campuses. Oh, Hillside's the main campus. You know, oh... Oh, Seaside, it's just a new church plant, you know. But why can't we think that actually Seaside can go beyond Itaewon? Why can't we think that KU, being the new campus, can outgrow SNU in one semester? Why can't we think like that? Right? Come on, right? Why can't we think that, you know, Sydney church plant, that it might blow up. It could, and I'd be very happy if it blew up beyond Hillside. Like, why not? Why not, right? But as long as we're stuck in this sort of, like, disunity where it's about me, this rivalry, right? It's never going to happen, right? And there's a natural tendency when you speak about, you know, inspiration. There's a tendency to become a hermit. There's a tendency to be, go into isolation, go into your little creative box, and, like, you need, shh, quiet. <laughs> I need inspiration, you know, like, shh, you're, you're distracting me and you want to go into isolation, right? But really that doesn't work. It doesn't work because you're, you're by yourself, you know, like it's even biblical. Like two is better than one. A cord of three strands cannot easily be broken. Right. And in this year of inspiration, God is not calling us to isolation into individual creativity, but he's actually calling us to collaboration. He's calling us to unity, okay? Anyone watch K-pop star? I've only seen... (laughs) Go, Andrew. Um, I've only seen two episodes, okay? But the two episodes that I've seen, I was blown away. Any fans of Raccoon Boys? Okay. Um, It's McKay, Brian, and... Huh? Min석. Minsuk, okay, the m- rapper boy, Minsuk. Um, yeah, they're really individually talented and creative. But when these three men come together, this type of stuff that they come up with, it's just, like, mind-blowing. Like, I mean, like, Minsuk, <laughs> he's like, yo, uh, like, I, I can't rap, but... <laughs> Um, well, this one episode that I saw, it was just like, um, they were singing Michael Jackson's thriller, uh, and it was amazing. And, you know, Minsuk Guy, he's, he's just like, you know, oh, we've got, you know, uh, McKay, uh, oh, Brian, uh, oh, Misa, yeah, collaboration. <laughs> hey, <no>? <laughs> collaboration. <laughs> and, and I just feel like, you know, we, we take that really lighthearted, but I want us to understand that the, it's actually very prophetic. Like, that's what I feel like God is calling us to. He's not calling us to isolated inspiration where we're like, oh, it's about me making a name for myself for the glory of God. Because I want, it's all going to be for God. But like, you know, God, give it to me, not to my neighbor. Like, God, speak to me, not to my neighbor. I want to be like the new best-selling album, not, you know. Uh, but there's there's power actually in unity. When people come together and collaborate, I mean, there's like a synergy effect. And so I feel like in this hour, God is calling us to collaboration, calling us to bear with each other, love one another, to see the gold in each other, and to build his house together in unity, right amen, amen. Um, simple example too another one you know I used to play piano, and uh, there was this one recital where I had to do a duet with my friend, and at first I was like, oh you know a duet more time you have to put into it, whatever but The result of this duet was we had four hands on one keyboard, and the types of sounds that we could simultaneously make was beyond what I could make on my own. An orchestra, all those different instruments come together, and it's just so full and rich, but let's say you have like like a tuba by itself, that's... I can't imagine a tuba by itself being, like, all, like, ah, inspirational, like, whoa, you know. Like, I can't imagine that. All I would really imagine is, like, some dude watching Super Bowl on his couch and making noises. But, like, really, there's so much power and beauty and inspiration that actually comes as a result of collaboration. So God is calling us to unity in this hour. And just a side note here. um, Did you know that God actually really delights in and desires unity. Um, In in John chapter 10, 16, Jesus mentions his hope that someday there will be one flock and one shepherd. John 17, 11, um, Jesus prayed um, as he's, he's, you know, gazed on the cross as he's heading to that. He's, he just prays one prayer for believers, for us. And he stands there and he says, may they be one as, I and you, you and I are one. Like, that's what he prayed for us. Like, he actually wants it. He desires it, right? And so I I, I want us to begin to desire that unity and collaboration. Um, So the first way that we can really build the house of the Lord in this year of inspiration is through collaboration. And the second way is in verses 3 and 4. And it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Um, First, we need to understand that, yes, we are called to build in unity, but the key to unity is humility. And humility is a second way that God is calling us to build in this season. Um, Now, how many of you know that there is a stark difference between true humility and false humility? How many of you guys struggle with humility, or especially with false humility? You know, just the other day, um, a sister walked into the office, and I said, like, you, you, you look really good. Like, you're looking really good these days. And she basically grunted at me. She's like, Arr! you know, I was like, Okay. And we have such a hard time receiving compliments, you know. And, you know, I remember also when I used to play piano for the church, you know, sometimes, like, people will come to me and say, Oh, oh, you're so good, you know. I'd be like, oh, you know, and sometimes, honestly, in my heart, I'm like, oh, my God, she's just giving me that pity, like, you know, that nice speech. You know, I sucked today. Didn't she hear all those mistakes? And sometimes I'm like, I did pretty good. Oh, no, Oh, Or like, oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, all glory to him, you know? And I really struggled with that myself, you know? And, and I want us to understand that neither response, neither of them is true humility. And I want us to understand what true humility looks like. And Paul points it out, points us to it in verses 3 and 4. He says, number one, there's two parts to it. One, counting others more significant than yourself. Counting others more significant than yourself. And then two, looking not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so let me go a little bit deeper into this. Let's define first uh, what verse 3 says uh, when it says counting others more significant than yourself. Um, Counting others more significant, better than yourself, some versions say, it doesn't mean that you need to consider yourself inferior, to others it doesn't mean that you have to think oh my talent isn't as great as that person their talent more talented than me it doesn't mean you have to devalue yourself it doesn't mean you have to disqualify yourself it doesn't mean that you have to feel less worthy or less capable than other people that's actually false humility Uh, but how many of us actually really fall into that trap right constantly like, oh no, like, you know, and whenever we do come across someone who's better than us, like sober judgment, someone who's got a better voice than us, someone who's more gifted or talented than me, someone who's smarter than me, sober judgment. When, when that happens, when you come across that person, you just feel like your response to that is, oh, God is humbling me. He saw the pride in my heart and he sent this person to put me in my place. And that's honestly how we see it sometimes, right? When we come across someone who is in sober judgment better than us, right? But that's actually not true humility, right? Not to devalue yourself. That's not what it's talking about. We need to learn for the humility of Christ what true humility looks like. And in verses 5 to 8, let me just read it out one more time. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, Did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, Jesus was divine in nature, but he chose to lay down his divine power and he lowered himself to our level so that we can be brought to the father. Right. And when he took on this lowly form, it's not like he came as like a teenager or whatever. He came as a baby. He learned how to crawl. He learned how to walk. He came as a child in a lowly form, you know, and though he was a hundred percent God, he came as hundred percent man. And that was true humility. He came in that way. And, He was crucified and crucifixion in the first century. It was, it's like the most demoralizing, humiliating experience. It was the worst way to die, to die on the cross meant that you were a criminal, to die on a cross meant that you were under a divine curse. And Jesus walked that road, right? But as he was walking that road, that lowly road of humility, he wasn't thinking, oh, I'm nothing but a human. He didn't think like, "Oh my gosh, I'm no longer God. I'm just human." He he was secure in his identity. It didn't touch walking in humility. Didn't touch his identity, you know. But so many times when we walk the road of humility, we think, "Oh, it's such a loss for me. Oh, this is killing my pride." But actually, walking the road of humility doesn't affect our identity, right? Um. So none of this, like, I'm unworthy, I'm, I'm not good enough uh, type of mentality. Uh, but really what we need to understand is that to count others more significant than ourselves is to understand that before God, we all stand on one footing. Before God, there is no boasting. Before God, we really do stand on one footing. And therefore, when we regard one another in the natural and in the spirit, we got, we got to see that, wow, before God, this person's special before God, this person's important before God, this person like really contributes to his glory. And we are able to celebrate one another. To count others more significant than us is not to belittle ourselves, but to see the gold in other people and to celebrate it and not be offended, not allow our identities be touched or moved in some sort of way, but to really celebrate other people, right? It's the right perspective. It, it's a it's an attitude of respecting other people and appreciating them for how much they're contributing to this common goal of bringing glory to God, okay? Um, so we need to stop competing Stop being jealous of one another, and start celebrating one another, and start rejoicing in each in each other's you know, you know, successes, right? And another thing that true humility looks like is also ex- described and explained in verse four. It says, "True humility—it's looking not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others." Okay, I want us to highlight not only. Looking not only to our own interests, but also, but also to the interests of others. Um, walking in true humility doesn't mean that we need to neglect our needs. It doesn't mean that we need to neglect our, um, the needs of our body, the needs of our soul. In Galatians 6.5 actually it says, for each will have to bear his own load. We're responsible. For our own load, right? And our interests are important to the Lord. and He doesn't want us to neglect our interests. But he's saying, don't just look at your interests, but also look out for the interests of others. And the verb here, to look, means actually to look attentively, to fix one's gaze, to fix one's attention on one thing. To put their deepest interest and desire on that one thing. And God's just saying, don't do that. Look at your needs, take care of your needs, but don't be so preoccupied with yourself and your glory, your fame, your success, that you forget the needs of other people, right? And so God is calling us in this way to love ourselves, but to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And Jesus, you know, he he displayed the most incredible uh, demonstration of humility. He suffered the greatest humiliation on the cross, right? that we, his children, would be reconciled to the Father. And it says in Romans 15, 3, that Christ did not please himself. If he was trying to please himself, he didn't have to die on the cross. He really didn't have to, you know. But he understood that there was an interest out there that was greater than his. If he was out for his own interest, he probably wouldn't have died on the cross. He would have died, yes, but I don't think he would die on on the cross but he saw the interests of you and i even before we were born he saw the interests of all the sons and daughters who would come to christ one day and be reconciled to the father he saw that he saw the interest of others and that's why he walked that road of humility and so in this hour god is calling us to also seek out the interests of others that we wouldn't be so preoccupied in, in how much we want to be inspired, how much we want to excel, how much we want to build, but also understand that God is also calling other people to build together. And we'll do it in unity and in humility. Amen? And let me just sum up what humility is. And this is a quote by Rick Warren that I came across years ago. And it's still really, um, it's it's stuck on my heart. And, and he said, um, humility is not thinking less of yourself but it is thinking of yourself less. Humility is thinking more of others, you know? And so that's the definition, the definition of true humility that God is calling us to really not to disqualify or take from ourselves, but really to see others in the way that God sees them and to elevate them and to cooperate, to collaborate together, to see other people's skills and not be turned by it, not be not feel intimidated by it, not feel like, oh, what if they succeed before me? What if they take my idea and make something out of it? You know, when people come together, especially like I I, I notice like when it's for projects or like songwriting or you know, video ideas or whatever, and people come together, like all these ideas come out. In the corner of their of their brain is this fear. But if I share this idea, this is a great idea, by the way, but if I share this, are they going to take this? Are they going to, like, take it from me and then start developing it and make tons of money? You know, you know, Sai, si, right? And do you know, uh, what's that guy, the other uh, rocker guy? Anyways, there was another famous singer And he was like on the verge of committing suicide because he claims that Psy took his idea. They were talking as buddies and, you know, they were sharing ideas. And then he's claiming that Psy took his idea and now he's making all this money. Now that now he's like famous worldwide. And he was on the verge of committing suicide because he was so embittered by this. You know, but we need to understand that there's no fear of that because why? We're not living for our glory. We have a common purpose. It's the glory of God. So it wouldn't matter, is it? If, if the sister next to us makes their claim to fame and and brings glory to God and I'm still working and, you know in a grocery store, you know, and I'm still hoping and dreaming. I'm not saying we need to stop and be content there, but let's not be jealous. Let's understand that there is like this common goal that is being pursued and it is being fulfilled, right? And so in this hour, in this year of inspiration, there are two things that God is calling us to, and that is collaboration and humility. Right. And as we do so, I do feel like God's just going to release this fresh grace upon us to be able to go beyond where we're able to go individually or even in our little circles. Right. And, you know, let us really not get tempted to go into isolation mode and to try to be creative on our own, but really begin to share. And I and I heard um, there's a new name for the creativity group that Pastor Marcus started. It's called Hope Laboratory. You know, Hope Laboratory. And that's another way that you can really get involved and really come together to collaborate with other sons and daughters. And you know what? A lot of times we think inspiration is all, like, divine. Like, it needs to come, like, on us. But we also need to understand by the nature of who we are, we are created in the image of God, that there is naturally just this inspiration that flows in you and I. But if we don't allow it to flow out, no one's ever going to discover it, not even ourselves. Some some of us feel like we're not creative, but it's only because we haven't shared. It's because we ha- we're not in a place where we're going to collaborate with other people, you know? And so that's another way you can get involved and really collaborate and, and see um, God fulfill, like, all these missions that he has set before us in this hour, right? And so it's a really short, simple message, but I feel like God really is wanting to highlight that word humility to us because not to rebuke us, not to put us in our place, but to let us know that he wants to give us grace. He wants to pour out anointing upon us to be able to fulfill all that he has called this house to. Amen. Amen. Okay. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that this is a year of inspiration and Lord, I don't, I thank you that we don't have to wait around for inspiration, but Lord, inspiration actually flows in each and every one of us. Your spirit is alive in all of us, God. At that that creative juices are flowing within us, God. And so, Lord, help us to step out, Lord God, and come together, collaborate, unite, oh God, and build each other up, Lord God, and, and, and build into one another's streams, God, and, and really Uh, come together in a place where we can celebrate one another and see you uh, release grace upon this house, God. And Lord, I thank you there's no room for rivalry. There's no room for competition. I thank you, Lord, that when when one campus flourishes beyond the other, that there's not going to be one ounce of rivalry in this house, but there's going to be unity, God, and celebration because our eyes are fixed on the same prize, and that is your glory, God. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be a house that goes beyond the natural. We declare that the supernatural is natural in this house and we don't want to rely on natural giftings. We don't want to rely on the way that things used to work, God, but we want to tap into the graces that you have for us. God, And so Lord, help us to step out of our boxes and begin to unite, begin to collaborate with the same mind, with the same love, agreeing to disagree, God. And in the area of disagreement, that there would be much more fruit, a synergy effect that is released in this house, God. But for all the singers and musicians across all three campuses, including, um, Sydney and Melbourne, God, I pray that there would be a collaboration in the spirit, God, a collaboration in humility, God, that truly a new sound would be released, God, that we would have individual singers and musicians but that we would have an army of singers and musicians rising up in this hour lord we don't want lord god just one preacher of this house to to be the claim to fame for this house god but we want lord preachers to rise up within this house preachers who will bounce off each other god who will grow with each other will share with one another encourage each other and lord that we'll see just an army of preachers rising up learn all that we do god Lord, I pray that there would be collaboration in the spirit, that there would be humility among us, God. That, Lord, you would take us beyond the natural and allow us, God, not just to dream big, but to fulfill big dreams as well, God. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name.